Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Coastline Covenant podcast, another episode in our Christianese series. Today, I sit down with Dr. Janine Hanger, one of our family theologians here at Coastline, and we discuss the idea of accepting Jesus in your heart, or maybe you're familiar with it as the sinner's prayer, the idea that you bow your head and you ask Jesus into your heart, and then you're a Christian. Is this idea in the Bible? Is this idea biblical? The answer might shock you, but I do want to say this at the outset. We are not saying there's anything wrong with accepting Jesus in your heart. We are simply asking the question, is that all there is to becoming a Christian? Is that all there is to being saved or is the life of Christ just that a life a journey a constant process you saying yes over and over to Jesus and living a life with him so these are the kind of things that we get into in this episode I promise you you'll be challenged you'll laugh but ultimately you will learn something which is hopefully what you get out of every single episode of this new series thanks for listening thanks for all the feedback about the Christian E series it's been fun to hear people's responses and we have one more left coming next week and it is a doozy but until then We will see you next week and every single week after that. Welcome to another episode of the Coastline Covenant Podcast here with my favorite theologian, my favorite doctor, besides the doctor who repaired my collarbone. Shout out Dr. Glenn Huber. This is Dr. (laughs) Janine Hanger. Hello, Janine. Thank you for joining me today. It is so good to have you here. I am really looking forward to this conversation that we are having about Christianese, the words that we say. We maybe don't know what they mean. We don't know where they come from. And this one, oh boy, this one. When Mm -hmm. I I thought about this podcast series, this was the first phrase word I thought of, and I thought of you because it feels very controversial, Mm -hmm. and I need a very kind, warm, smart person to help me not get too controversial. So you are here not only for your wisdom, but just to keep me on track. So are you up for the task? I, I hope so. Yes. Awesome. Thanks so today, for me. <laughs> absolutely my pleasure. Today we're talking about the idea of the Lord's, not the Lord's prayer, that's definitely in the Bible, but like the sinner's prayer, accepting Jesus into your heart, mm-hmm. quote, the prayer. Mm-hmm. Something that if you've been around church for a little bit or a lot of bit, this is like kind of your entry into church or into Christianity. Janine, before we get into the how did this come into our vernacular, I want to ask you, when did you, quote, accept Jesus into your heart? Hmm. Which time? Whoa. Okay. Well, even that, yeah, we could get so deep. So yeah, all 12. Yeah. So I don't, I I have a couple of like scenes in my past that Mm -hmm. I can go back to, but I don't know if those were actually like, I feel like it was a process, but grew up in actually the Catholic faith and my parents, um, I get, I think the story is that they, they were attending a Bible study and they both kind of experienced kind of a renewal in their faith and re- committed their lives to Christ. And at that point, um, as Catholics, yes. Okay. Interesting. Became very vocal in our family. They started a children's ministry at our parish. And, um, I think it was sometime during that season that I came to know who Jesus was. And I, I remember having a conversation with my dad and he talked me through some things, um, which was a really sweet memory. Oh, 
Yeah. And then later on, we had moved to a Protestant church at a later point, and I was in a Sunday school class, and I remember being taken, actually, with the Gospel of John, we were reading in our Bibles, and I was taken, oh, that's interesting, I never realized I just started smiling. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was really taken with the Gospels at that point, and really, like, experienced a hunger. I think I was probably fourth or fifth grade. Wow. Well, I mean, listeners, if you know Janine, you know her PhDs in the Gospel of John, (laughs) and so that's why it was a light bulb for me, like, oh, maybe that was it. That's fascinating. That's, That's a really sweet. Uh, story and I, I smiled also when you said like we moved to a Protestant church because eventually you're going to hit a ceiling at a Catholic church. I, I don't yeah. mean to age you or have you age yourself, but what year was this? Oh, um, uh, it was early '80s. Okay, so that's going to come up the the time okay. frame of mm-hmm. accepting Jesus in your heart because it is kind of a newer ish phrase mm-hmm. in in terms of like the language of Christianity, the language of this religion is pretty old in the sense that you know it's. 2000 years old and then even through the Hebrew scriptures that's such a long time ago but like the asking the Jesus in the heart is like pretty recent it's pretty common and it happened a lot in children's ministry which I think we'll get into a little bit but I also wanted to ask from your perspective you teach a class at Biola that all freshmen have to take mm-hmm. correct what what is the class called Biblical interpretation and spiritual formation. Exactly. I have it. I have the books that I had somewhere Mm -hmm. over there. But one of the assignments in the class is kind of like a testimony, like history of faith. And I'm sure that you in these, when you read them from freshmen or new students, accepting Jesus in the heart is probably like a huge part of the essay or is is it even like part of the rubric for the assignment? Yeah. I mean, I've actually just changed the assignment, but I won't get into it because before that I've assigned it in the way that you're talking yeah, about for yeah. years. But um, it really is an assignment to talk about their spiritual journey because a lot of them would make a confession of faith when they were little. Right. But, but they, they do, a lot of them do pinpoint certain moments. And a lot of times it happens at a camp. Uh, it was a very much a camp-rich set of stories about their journeys with in faith. Like those were kind of the high points for a lot of, a lot of students. Yeah. And if you're listening to this and you've accepted Jesus in your heart, I mean, congrats. But also I think it probably happened at a camp. Yeah, you have that spiritual crescendo, and and we're, we've kind of been dancing around it a little bit, but we'll we'll get into like the actual nitty gritty here. We're talking about the idea that to become a Christian, right? You have to. It says in Romans, you know, accept in your heart that Jesus is Lord, and say it with your mouth. That that's confess with your mouth. Yeah, confess your mouth. Lord, yeah, right. And that has somehow morphed into this idea of like praying a prayer. Mm-hmm. So you'll hear it being called like the Jesus prayer or the sinner's prayer. Mm-hmm. In your opinion, is there like a helpful distinction saying I've prayed the prayer or quote the sinner's prayer? I, I mean, I would think of it as very all the same thing. Yeah. For me, I'm like, okay, you kind of inherently use the word sinner in it. So you are explaining, like you said, which time. Mm-hmm. And like, I think it morphs from like, quote, the sinner's prayer than to just like a rededication. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of a helpful distinction. If someone's saying like, oh, I've prayed the sinner's prayer, mm-hmm. that to me is like, oh, so that's when you quote accepted Jesus versus mm-hmm. a kid like I rededicated my life or I'm rededicating. It's like, okay, yeah. you're not seeing this as like a sinner's prayer, but like you're reallowing Jesus in your heart. Yeah. Yeah. And I also have a lot of like a lot of students will say, well, I didn't really, I didn't yeah. really yeah. get saved until maybe they were more teenager age rather than like they have a memory of maybe praying with a parent when they were four, but they go, but I didn't really come their understanding right. of coming to faith, which I, I never know what to think of that. I mean, that's, a, you that's, know, is that just a developmental stage where it's become more of like a, they've, they've stepped into more of a mature understanding of their faith. That's a really know. good question. Yeah. And I, I mean, as someone who deals with youth, that comes up all the time. I yeah. was four, kitchen table. I asked who Jesus was. And my mom prayed the prayer. 
but now it matters. Now it's real. Maybe specifically like the New Testament because salvation in the Old Testament and the New Testament is a little different. In the New Testament, are there any instances of people praying a prayer that like Jesus is like, okay, you've accepted me now? There isn't really. Yeah, Mm-mm. there isn't. No. So where does this come from in your opinion or in your kind of, if you can draw the line between what we say all the time as like accept Jesus into your heart and to what the Bible actually says, how do you bridge that distance? Well, you have the history. The hi- right? Well, yeah. So there's like the the vernacular history, but I'm wondering because it came from somewhere. No one woke up one day and was like, "I have a great idea and yeah. how we're gonna track people's faith." Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm probably less aware of like the tracing the actual history. Um, I, I do think that there's something with like the revivalism mm-hmm. of, um, I don't know, in the last what, hundred years? hundred years or so. Um, where it became more like these, we're trying to package it in a way so that it we, we make it, I, I've been thinking about this, uh, we make it, we want to make it easier so people don't feel so much like it's so hard to reach God. So mm-hmm. we want to make it, all you have to do is pray this prayer. And, and you want to make it simple enough so that people can understand it and step into it. Um, but then I think, and maybe we'll talk about this later, but it, it kind of gets into this, have we made it so simplistic right. that it, that it like maybe doesn't mean a ton. Yeah. Or it's, it's not accomplishing what we think it's supposed to accomplish. And I think that's probably where my idea for t- having this conversation comes from of like someone listening to this saying like, well, of course I prayed the prayer and then, okay, let's pause. Where did that come from? And then not using that as like, you're not really a Christian, mm-hmm. but for you as a moment to be like, well, maybe I should rethink like, is the prayer all I have in my right. faith, you right, know? Right. So scripturally speaking, I was doing a little research and I, I, and one of the main reasons I was excited to have you on is because Nicodemus is kind of a big piece of this. So for, for those listening and I, going to put you on the spot a little bit here. What is the story of Nicodemus in the gospel of John? It's in John chapter three. Uh, It's a very famous story because it has a very famous passage attached to it. John 316, of course, but the, the Nicodemus story is often used when you Google, like how did this come up as a inspiration? So just really quick, 40,000 foot Nicodemus. And then why would you think that quote, accepting Jesus in your heart comes from this story? Hmm. Um, so Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He comes to Jesus at night, mm. uh, which some will take because of the light dark dichotomy that shows up throughout John, that it's kind of like he's being secretive or he doesn't want anyone else to know. Other people will say that's just a time when Jesus would have been freed up from the crowds and he would have had a chance to have a real honest conversation. Mm. So it's hard to know, is he a true seeker or is he coming at the request of other leaders, it's, it's a little bit uncertain. Um, and they get into this big conversation about, um, you know, Jesus says no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And he's like, well, there's a ton of misunderstanding throughout, like, how can someone be born again if they, you know, if they're old? And (laughs) so it goes to this whole conversation back and forth and, and it ends in this, you know, John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son 
whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So, I mean. And the born again is like kind of what you're thinking. Like maybe that's where it comes from. Like yeah. you get pray, you pray and then you're born again. Yeah, maybe so. But he doesn't like actually say like, okay, no. I'm going to pray. No. A prayer and have, you no. know, Jesus enter my heart. No. And is there like in the gospel of John, like a knocking on the door imagery? So that's in uh, Revelation, Revelation 3, 3. Yeah. Which is behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and they with me, which I think is interesting because I know I've used that. Mm. Uh, that. I mean, that's punctuates all of the gospel tracts, like yes. the crew for, for, uh, for spiritual laws. Revelation three is that passage that that's the step where God, Jesus is knocking at the door and you just have to let him in. And yet the context is Jesus speaking to an apathetic church. Yeah the Laodicean, yep. the church at Laodicea and, and saying, I will come in and eat with you. So it's a different context, but it's been used a lot for, it's been perp- repurposed for that. Also another famous passage in that revelation of like Re- revelation three, like I'll spit you out if you're lukewarm. Yeah, yeah. So it's just funny how these passages, these words kind of stick with us and we associate them with different things. And if you zoom out the context kind of yeah. gets you somewhere else. Yeah. So this idea of like being born again and praying a prayer and Jesus at the door, it's just all kind of saying that becoming a Christian is just saying like, yes to Jesus. Mm-hmm. How would you respond to that? Agree, disagree? Yes, no, maybe so. Yeah, I think, I think, um, I, I actually don't use the language anymore about accepting Jesus into your heart. Okay. That's interesting. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't speak in those terms In Christianese. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I would probably re- and the reason why is because I think just the nuance of what you're like accepting him into your heart is if like, uh, I just read this last night as I was getting ready for this. Like, it's not that we're accepting him, but he accepts us. And so the la- even just the language of accepting him into your heart. I mean, I think I would use uh, the way scripture talks about it in the early church is repent and believe, Yeah, repent and believe. So I will often instead say, have you, given your life Mm. over to Jesus? Have you um, declared that uh, he is the Lord, but also have you made him, like when we talk about uh, uh, the sinner's prayer, accepting Jesus as your personal savior, which again, I'll I'll never use that. Mm -hmm. The personal savior to me uh, just reminds me of the kind of an individualism, but there's nothing wrong with making him the Lord of your life, which is what you're saying is that he is everything to right. you. Um, but he is objectively the Lord. Like that, like that's how that language is. Yeah. You know, that's he fascinating. is the savior and the Lord, whether you give your life to him or not. So do you declare that Jesus is the Lord, the savior, the Christ, the Messiah? Um, and, uh, how do you relate to him? And a way to affirm that you believe that is like to pray this prayer. Yeah, sure. Yep. To say like, yes, I, I believe that. Yes. yes. But it's not enough. Like, I don't think any, I mean, you see scripture, you see a lot in the Bible, especially like in Acts, like someone just like, like I think of the Ethiopian. Yeah. Uh, he's like, what does it mean? And he's like, this is what it means. Let's go get baptized. It's, it's very, it's very easy to become a Christian. It's yes. very easy to have faith. Yes. But to continue in faith. Yes. It takes more than a prayer. Yeah. And I think that is probably the reason that this idea is a little bit under scrutiny. Yes. 
I yeah. prayed a prayer once, so I'm a Christian. Yeah. And that's where we can get into like Calvinism and yeah. <laughs> Arminianism. Yeah. And I don't think that, I mean, I think if you prayed a prayer and it may well have been the thing that where you went from, you know, like, Born again, dead born, to yeah, life. That yeah, that may have been that moment for you, but I think we get into trouble when we make it like, all you got to do is pray this prayer. And if right. you say these words, you're good to go. And then people have this perception that like, well, I prayed this prayer all these years ago. But then if it, like, but did you wrap your life around right. Jesus? Right. And I, I'm in Mark one, you said this, you know, after John was put in prison, Jesus went to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God, salvation mm -hmm. or the gospel. Mm -hmm. The time has come. He said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Yep. That's what it takes. Yep. Repent yep. and believe the good news. Yep. And I think maybe the idea of like believing in your own heart gets yep. translated to this prayer. Yes. But you said something I find fascinating that I'd not really thought of before this. The idea of like how individualist this is, mm. how this really just applies to the person. Mm -hmm. And I was just thinking like, and again, I don't mean to get in the weeds of controversy and this is what you're here for, but like, <laughs> it's so American mm -hmm. to be like, what is the least public, the most personal and the most trackable way for me to become a Christian? Mm -hmm. And it's just a prayer, prayer in my heart once. Mm -hmm. And I think it does a disservice to people. Mm -hmm. I think that it becomes just a ritual mm -hmm. You know, we have a David Platt sermon that I that I kept quoting, and it's a really great sermon. You can find it online. Well, it's two it's a two minute clip, and I think he got into a little bit of hot water mm -hmm. for it. Mm -hmm. uh, David Platt's a pastor; he's out in D.C. Another fun fact about David Platt is during the Trump election, Trump came to his church, and David Platt prayed for him. Oh, yeah, oh. it's crazy. Yeah, wow. it's a really interesting, really interesting story. He wrote a book about it, basically, um, and that's not me saying anything about anything other than like this guy is he he is a really interesting pastor and. Yeah. He has a sermon, a little clip of it, about why he thinks this prayer is not super effective. And he calls it superstitious, mm -hmm. which how would you respond to that? I think it can be. How think, so? Um, be, if you think by, but well, I mean, think about uh, that. That's why my answer, well, at which time, you know, I yeah. think it for people like, like I, it's really easy to think, oh, well, did, did I really did I really get saved that time I prayed? Maybe I need to say it again. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you end up saying it again and did you say all the right words in the right way? I mean, that kind of, I, I have fallen into that oh, as yeah. a kid, you know? So I think it be, can become like, oh, well, if you say it in the right way and you make sure you, you know, and we, in the way that we, I mean, we do this in church and I, so I don't want to like say this is a wrong thing, but I think some of the big, um, oh, like the revivalist types of yes. settings where it's all about numbers and how do, how do people get saved? I think we, uh, are, I mean, I mean, it's, it's focusing on the emotional response and yeah. not the spiritual response. Yeah, yeah. And I can speak to that to save you from saying something that you don't want to say. <laughs> I could say something that I shouldn't say, which is as a youth pastor, this is, I mean, I might as well have taken this class and I might as well teach this class yeah. on how to create a moment that is ripe for response. Mm -hmm. And again, it's just for the bottom line. Mm -hmm. And I am so thankful for the way that students over the years have responded mm -hmm. and taken a moment, whether it's the last night of camp or a quiet time or whatever, and they've said, yes, I want a relationship with God and I want to take that step forward or I want to rededicate my life. And then it has caused them to actually change and repent, like it says in Mark. 
But I have, I wouldn't say shame, but I'd say a little regret on how much I focused on the moment and not the moment after the moment, Mm -hmm. if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm hoping that we can kind of reclaim a little Mm -hmm. bit because it doesn't, praying the prayer just turns into one singular moment and the life of faith is a journey. Yeah. It is not sure. one singular moment. For sure. You know, one singular moment saves you and depending on your soteriological belief, you know, maybe that's all yeah. you need. Yeah. But I think one of the most dominant themes in scripture is walking with Christ yeah. and having a life with Christ. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. I think I think it's really important to have this conversation because I hope that people hear this and say, Yeah, I really wanna think differently about my my faith in the way mm-hmm. that I relate to Jesus. Mm-hmm. This is a quote also from that Platt sermon. I'd love to have you think about uh, He says it's modern evangelism, this prayer, it's modern evangelism built on sinking sand and it runs the risk of disillusioning millions of souls. Mm-hmm. How could just this idea of praying one prayer and being a Christian, how can that disillusion millions of souls? Yeah, because I think when we communicate, all you got to do is pray this prayer and, and, and we, we, couch it in this language of and then you can go to heaven when you die which i think we could talk about that <laughs> that's like another episode we could talk about um yeah new heaven new earth that'd be good yeah, yeah new creation good. um but i i think it sets people up to to think well i can just go on my merry way and it doesn't really matter how i live my life beyond that it doesn't and and they really might never have contact with jesus again but mm-hmm. they are under this uh belief that but I'm saved because I, I said these words. Yeah. And I just want to say, like, I don't, like, I, I'm not the, the judge, but are we, are we, are we leading people to think something that is not actually true? Yeah. Talk about disillusionment. Like you said it so well, like they might not ever meet Jesus again, but they will meet pain mm-hmm. and they will meet the hard parts of life and like what will that prayer have gotten them if they yeah. don't check back in with Jesus? Yeah. It'll just be like, well, why is this happening to me? Yeah. God's not real. This isn't, yeah. this isn't real because my life is hard right now. My life is bad right now. Yeah. That's interesting. And so you, you mentioned a little bit about the history. I think the history is fascinating because it does come from America. It is a very American slash European thing. Um, and it does come from the revival movement. It comes from, early church in America. So you're thinking East Coast, you're thinking uh, colonies, you're thinking the HBO miniseries, John Adams starring, uh, who is that? Paul Giamatti, great, great show. Totally recommend it. It's very old, but it's very good. Anyway, you're thinking of these church revivals in these big tents. It's the time of John Wesley. It's the time of George Whitfield, And people are having to talk to groups of people, thousands of people who maybe have never heard this message before, you know, America and Christianity, that's when this whole thing started, right? Like the, the idea of like Christianity being a big religion in America. So it's the first time people are hearing this. So you do have to distill the message and you have to distill a response to common language. And one of the first times you see it is a guy named Thomas Boston, who is Scottish, not from Boston. Mm. Uh, and he talked about communion as receiving Jesus in your heart. And then several years later, you have a guy named Benjamin Coleman, who coincidentally was from Boston. I thought that was funny. Mm. Uh, who says that Christians should receive Christ in their hearts and hold them forth in their lives. And so the idea of Jesus in your heart becomes something that people are using as a shorthand of saying like a life of faith. Mm-hmm. And really quick, the heart in the new Testament, mm-hmm. it's, it's not as easy as like, just let Jesus in, right? Like mm-hmm. what is the relationship for our new Testament authors and the idea of like the heart? Mm. 
there's a, the physical heart, right? And then there's like the spiritual heart. Yeah. It's a, little, it's a little bit like the idea of like flesh. Yeah. How it's powerful. Yeah. It has, yeah. it has its own characteristics. Why do you think Jesus needs to be let in the heart and not like the head or like the body? That is, yeah. I, I mean, I think the heart's really actually a major part of um, how the biblical authors, and I would even go back into the Old Testament, right. um, how they conceived of who we are, mm-hmm. like who we are in our heart. When God um, mm. uh, used the prophet to um, uh, anoint David as king, yeah. he looked at the heart. So the heart is uh, in some ways thought of as like this is who who someone is. Yeah. And this book comes up a lot on the podcast for some reason, but James, Jamie Smith's, uh, you, you are, are what, what you love. love. The whole first 80 pages is kind of like a big overview of the heart in faith. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I really like that, that mm-hmm. book. I really like the beginning of that book in particular. Don't love the end. I've, I've crossed out sections oh, really? of it. He's like, start Christian schools in your house and don't go to, oh. don't live in the city. I'm like, oh. okay, buddy, let's come on. In this economy. <laughs> but anyway, the beginning is great because uh-huh. it talks a lot about the heart and how the heart of like the decision center and like, mm-hmm. so it makes sense to let Jesus into there. But I wonder like, is it a disservice to say like, not letting Jesus in your head, like conceptualize mm. a relationship with Christ? Like what, is that a, is that a, a, a nice poignant message someone can give? Yeah. I don't, I mean, I, I tend to think of the mind as the thinking component of the heart. Oh, wow. Put that on a t-shirt. I Woof. think that's that might be a JP Moreland thing. Oh, I'm not no. Sure. <laughs> we'll have to <laughs> I don't ask know him. If that's right. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you, you definitely, I mean, there's something about, I think there's something where they are, they're integrated. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can think a lot of things and believe a lot of things in your head, and it can never make its way into your heart or your, your actions or your life. And you can do a lot of things in your heart and yeah. that you're not really thinking about. Right. right. So integrating the two. I, I, I think that's probably where I would land on like as a pastor thinking about like a quote praying the prayer like mm-hmm. it's a holistic one of my mm-hmm. favorite words mm-hmm. it's a holistic response it's not just I emotionally respond to Jesus but it's like actually think about what this is going to do for your life and think about how it, there's something expected of you yeah because I think that's another thing like yeah. receiving Jesus in your heart is so passive. Just Jesus is going to come in. He's going to do some work. Your life's going to be great and you're going to go to heaven. But it's not that. It's a whole life. It's a whole relationship with Jesus. And uh, so you had mentioned in the beginning talking about like your dad and children's ministries and stuff like that. And I think that's where it basically like took off in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Jesus people movement, things like that. Ways to track if children are Christians, mm-hmm. if, if it's working for kids. And so it turns into, okay, hey, have you accepted Jesus in your heart? Which is a really easy way to ask like yep. a six-year-old, yep. hey, are you a Christian? Right. Because they can understand that. And then it, from there, it's just it's just absolutely blown up. Yeah. I, think I want to ask you definitively, like, is accepting Jesus in your heart, is that in the Bible? No, not those words. Not, not in that those way. Words. But does that make it anti-biblical? No. See? No. And that's yeah. the beauty of Christianese. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> that it's it's not in the Bible, but it's not no. bad. Right. Oh, no. I mean, well, I mean, the Trinity is not in right. in the Bible, but oh, we course you consider it anti-biblical. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. You can find it. Yeah. I mean, I think you can find it in different ways. Like w- even going back to John, like when you think about um, what does it mean to have Jesus in your heart, you go to John 14 to 17 and you think about um, what are we invited into? We are invited to abide with Jesus forever. And it's not like a one-time prayer come in. It's like you 
you declare belief, you declare allegiance to him and you put your whole life around it. And so you, the spirit, uh, the, the presence of Jesus walks with you forever. So if you want to think of that as Jesus in your heart, I think that's one way of thinking about it. Or you can think about it as I am like a branch abiding with the vine forever. Like we are together forever. And, and that, I mean, that in a lot of ways, I mean, it's a similar, Hmm. I I mean, as people walking around on earth, we can think of that as Jesus is with me in my heart. I don't know. And what a great connection to what we were talking about earlier of how the prayer is just a one and done. Yeah. And it doesn't have you thinking about forever. Yeah. It just is this moment. Yeah. And then I think when you think about the idea of like a branch abiding, like it's not at one point it grows and it falls off. Yeah. It's always connected. It's always connected. Yeah. And I think that's a really helpful way to look at it. And just because it's not in the Bible doesn't mean you can't ascribe some sort of really yeah. important meaning to it. And like, yeah. I think what we're re- really clearly saying is not, well, if you pray the prayer, you're wrong. Right. I think praying the prayer is a really good thing for you to think through of like, okay, what does my life now look like that I've accepted the reality that Jesus is Lord, but him being Lord, like you said, regardless of whether or not I accept him. And I think that's helpful. And who's to say that someone doesn't like, like they might very well be at a youth camp and pray a prayer. And in the moment it was very sincere Mm -hmm. and they may go off. I mean, like I don't want to discount the people for whom like, like it was, it was a real thing in a moment and then God picks it up later. And like, it doesn't mean that like, just because right. you don't do anything, you know, I mean, I definitely don't want to say that it's a, a works thing at all. No, but oh, that's good. You know, I, I think who's to say God won't pick up, like you could say the prayer, pray the prayer and it doesn't mean that he isn't working. Yeah. And I think I, I really like that you said that because a piece of this whole thing has been like. If you're a good youth pastor, you do the Sunday night or Monday night of camp praying the prayer, and then the Wednesday you get back is the follow-up. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking that this conversation is just a follow-up. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not bad, and, you know, it's fun to look at the history and the biblical reason we say this or that, the other thing, but, like, let's follow up. Mm-hmm. What did the prayer do? What did you actually do with the prayer? Mm-hmm. How do you see Jesus in your life now? Have you even checked back in, or have you just been writing that one moment, mm-hmm. as we've seen, is not super-duper helpful? Mm-hmm. And so let me ask you this, what would be helpful? What is a good reframe for this? So let's say, Janine, I'm going to be speaking at a camp in a couple of weeks. I'm going to good old Hume. I'm speaking. This is all hypothetical, of course. Oh, they I would, thought you were. They would never ask me to speak. Aww. I'm a villain to them. I'd ask you to speak. Thank you. Well, you are not working <laughs> at Hume, you know, affiliated with Hume, because <laughs> I would love to see if they have like internal notes about our church at Hume. Like oh boy. <laughs> we could do a whole other podcast. Anyway. I'm speaking at Hume on Sunday and I need to do like an altar call or I need to do a accept Jesus. And I'm having this conversation with you and I'm like, okay, I'm done. I can't, I can't do the pray, pray the prayer. I believe in having students accept Jesus and believe in Jesus and have them be, have him be Lord of their lives. But like, I want to do it in a new way. Hmm. What would you say is a more helpful way or, or a better reframe to keep the heart, but to also say it's more than just a prayer? It's a great question. I mean, I, I think I just picture something that we just don't make it so easy. Mm. Like pop up a hand. No one has to see, like, don't do that. Like say, listen, this is going to take, this is going to turn your whole life upside down. Like, yeah, this, this is going to, this require, it's an, it's a, it's an easy prayer to pray, but it, it initiates something that's absolutely life transforming. And so, 
only be in if that's what you're in for. Like, I don't know. That's no, that's it'll turn your whole life upside down. I love that. What phrase in our life, what thing do you do that's meaningful that doesn't turn your whole life upside down, but you have to say yes to it first, right? Like you've run marathons. I've run Mm -hmm. a marathon. Like Mm -hmm. when you start training, Mm -hmm. you have to start. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But like it turns your whole life upside down. I can't hang out. I can't be out late. I can't eat this. I have to train. But like it all starts with that. Yes. And so it'd never be bad if you're like, yeah, I signed up for a marathon. That means I ran it. That's not correct. Yeah. But you sign up for it and you you anticipate that it's going to cost you something. Yeah. And I think if we can frame accepting Jesus in your heart, it's absolutely fine to say that. Like yeah. there's no reason we need to relegate this into like banned right. words of Christianity. Right, right. But I think the idea behind it needs to be a little bit more fleshed out. Yeah. I would love it if one day you're doing your work at Biola, whatever that, I mean, I know you teach, but like, I don't know what office hours are. I've never been to them. But like, if you're like reading through some text and like, there's just like a lost verse in John where it's like, and then Nicodemus prayed the prayer <laughs> and it's like, oh, it's in there. The whole thing was moot. But unfortunately I don't think that's going to happen. Right, I, right. I think it's kind of closed. I think right. it's, it's, it's open and shut. And so my last question for you then is as we talk about Christianese, as we talk about this, what are your favorite Christianese terms? What are some things that like, as we've talked about accepting the prayer, we've, we've landed, okay, we can keep it. What are some terms that you hear us use as Christians that you're like, oh, I don't know if I love that or I'm not interested in that term anymore or like, what does that even mean? Yeah, I think the whole idea of like, I want to accept Jesus into my heart so I can go to heaven when I die. Oof, get rid of it. Yeah. What I want to get rid of is I see that hand. That's my least favorite <laughs> Christianese term. <laughs> when I see that hand, it's just like, because then your eyes are closed oh, and you're see, like. See, I have to be thinking about the, yeah, the, yeah. Whose hand is it? Is it, yeah. was it my hand? Is it my hand? Right? I don't remember that. <laughs> Yeah, that that's interesting. And I think it's a good reminder, and this is coming up every week, of like these things existed outside the church. Uh-huh. They got brought into the church, and I think that could be really scary for some people. Mm-hmm. But conversations like this where we can see like it doesn't take much to see why it's here yeah. and why it matters, but let's just reclaim and re-understand. I think that's yeah. just all we need, and I think that's how we really can rob language of some of its destructive power and how we can reclaim a lot of restorative power around yeah. language. Yeah. So that's what I'm hoping to do with these conversations. Yeah. And that's how I feel like I want to reaccept Jesus into my heart now because <laughs> I know what it takes. Yeah. And so when you say you redid the assignment, like what is it, what is it now? Oh, well now actually uh, we've done a whole, uh, it's become, uh, I, I call it sharing the good news hmm. and it, it actually, it's bigger than just a testimony, but it's, helping students to understand what is the gospel, uh, which is um, taking it all the way back to creation. Mm -hmm. Like God created this good world, the fall, you know, and then Christ, you know, know, so it's, it's helping them to articulate the gospel uh, and then it's helping them to articulate how has the gospel impacted your life. And so to share a testimony of a moment in like a, a time in your, maybe not a moment, like a, not, not necessarily when you first came to belief, but, um, what has God done like visibly in your life that you would share with someone? When we talk about the gospel as good news, um, I think it's really easy to, we talk about evangelism and sharing the gospel. And I think a lot of times, um, we get freaked out about, oh no, I don't know all the things to say. And, and a lot of times the thing that, we're supposed to say is, well, how did God change your life? So it's getting them to articulate it in that way. I love that. Yeah. And it's more than a moment. Yeah, for sure. Fascinating. Well, 
I think we've we've really done the Lord's work today, and I think David Platt <laughs> would be really proud of us for for coming in and saying it's okay to say this because yeah. that that's how I'll end this. Like he gave that sermon, mm-hmm. and the story goes that and story. This was like four years ago. The story goes that he that year at the SBC conference, uh-huh. the Southern Baptist Convention, uh-huh. they basically were like, we are voting to say we're going to keep keep Jesus in your heart into our doctrinal belief or we're going to we're going to vote it out. And oh, I, did, I didn't know Basically that. unanimously, like we're keeping it in. And really? David Platt was one of the people who voted to keep it in after that sermon. So he even believes okay. that. So, so J.D. J. Greer wrote a book called Stop Asking Jesus Into Your Heart. <laughs> Is he Southern Baptist? Yes. Oh my gosh, I should have read that book before this conversation. Well, uh, I'll have to check that out and maybe we can- It's we can along the lines of what we've been talking about, I okay, think. Okay, good. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that David Platt sermon is- yeah. That as well. And he wrote a really long piece in Christianity today when it came out, when that sermon came out and he basically was like, I believe it, but I really want to see kind of like what we're saying, it it be the catalyst for a life with Christ, not the only thing that you would say gives you a life with Christ. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate you um, keeping us in line. And I always love hearing, first of all, I always love hearing about how Biola is Mm because I... I miss it fondly. Um, but I also really like your expertise on the gospel of John and everything like that. And it was very sweet to hear a little bit about the history that you didn't even know about the secret history of your, your love of John came out today. Yeah, it did. So now that's something you can journal about for sure. You can process that (laughs) in your own way. Well, thanks for coming on. No, thank you. Oh my gosh. What a pleasure. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. And Hey, if you've, if you've been stirred by this podcast, I just want you to close your eyes right now and bow your head and (laughs) pray these words. I'm just kidding. (laughs) 